Welcome to the Highlands College Podcast, where we try and find out about interesting things by talking to interesting people. Enjoy. Okay, so uh, welcome to a Another episode of the Highlands College podcast. I'm Paul Spencer. I'm joined by um, Paul, Paul Beeson. Paul Beeson and Rob Cameron. Uh, and uh, today we're going to be talking about um, football, uh, and more importantly, the uh, you know the qualifications and the skills that you need to kind of ascertain the the top qualifications to be to be a coach. Is that about right? Uh, yep, that'd be about right. Yep. Okay, so Rob, you're uh, what what are the actual um, football qualifications that you have? So uh, I have the Advanced Youth Award. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have the UEFA B license, mm-hmm. and I have the uh, UEFA A license. Okay. So the UEFA A license is something that you kind of I've read about in the paper. Uh, you know, when you see you know former pros that are looking to become managers and things like that, and they're um, you know, you hear about them doing their their coaching badges. So th- this is that sort of uh, level that we're talking about. You know, people that are highly invested in the game that go to do that. You know, yeah, your UEFA A license is the highest practical coaching award available. It builds on the technical and tactical content covered in UEFA B, mm-hmm. um, and it's it, in addition, the course focuses extensively on on the effective and principles of playing an eleven v eleven sided game. Okay. So, I mean, first, uh, before we get into what you actually had to do to get there, the first question I've got is, is, is why? Because um, my kind of footballing, uh, I enjoy football, I love football, but it normally revolves um, around a, a cold, cold, non-alcoholic beverage um, and a TV. Um, and, you know, so, so why, what made you want to take so many extra steps than, than the, the normal person? Well, I, I didn't set out to, to, to do the UA for A license. Mm-hmm. I um I knew that when I stopped playing I wanted to still be involved in football. Mm-hmm. Um both my granddad and my dad both managed teams when they retired, mm-hmm. uh kept them involved in football. My granddad was St Helier Old Boys mm-hmm. before they closed and my dad was St Peter's. So I knew that it kept you involved in football when your legs won't let you do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, so I had that intention. So I always knew I wanted to be involved in coaching at the end, just didn't realise I'd go to the mm. level I did. And who did you who did you play for? Uh, I played for various teams. St Peter's right. was the main, uh, and then I played for St Paul's. Right. Uh, I played for First Tower, Grooville. Position? Uh, normally right midfield or right back. Okay. Okay. So they're you know they're the they're the good yeah. So yeah, you can I play. Right <laughs> you can play. About Thirty forty decades ago, when I could still <laughs> run, that's what I used to play right back. Um, and so you're you're coaching at the moment. Is that correct? Uh, yes, I'm coaching at the moment. I do the Jersey Wanderers first team. Okay. Um, and I also still have a hand in with the Primary Island side, but I've been doing that for ooh, near on 15 years now. Right. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so the it's quite so the UA for A badge. It's not not many people have that. Uh, no, there's there's at the time when I took the course, uh, there was only just over a thousand people that had it. Uh, now I think there's about 1,500 that have it uh, worldwide. Wow. So I mean, obviously, for, you know, football is the um, you know number one sport in the world. So it's it's quite surprising that if you can do a qualification in that, you know, that only a, a thousand or so people have it out of the you know billions that watch it. You know, 
uh, bar America where it's not even called football. You know, <laughs> um, we'll get into the hand egg discussions. You know what their their sport should be later. Um, so, just how difficult is it to get to that top UEFA? A? It it's really quite challenging, mm-hmm. if I'm honest. Um, it requires you do your your jersey runs level one and level twos. Um, mm-hmm. You do those courses. Um, and then if you want to do UEFA B, uh, I had to go to England to do a, a, a residential course for a week to pass the UEFA B. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I finished my UEFA B, I was recommended by the assessor, which is a, a, a guy called Kieran Wicks, mm-hmm. to consider doing my A licence. He right. said that um, I had a flair or I, I, I was... I, in my opinion, I think football coaching is more teaching it's teaching of football mm-hmm. so having the teacher background I think benefited me yep. I'd had that teacher background along with the football knowledge mm-hmm. um, I think as a, a player I was quite fortunate in the sense that I often played a game and I kind of had figured out what the opposition was doing mm-hmm. um, and sometimes it worked to my advantage where I could maybe they call it reading the game where I was able to anticipate where the ball was going and then be there mm-hmm. so I think that kind of led to the, the coaching aspect where they want you to see pictures of a game and what's happening mm-hmm. so like I said I didn't finish my, my B license he recommended it um, but I was still playing at the time so yeah. I just I just carried on I just started uh, doing the centre of excellence Jersey centre of excellence then okay. um, so I was doing the primary island side the, the centre of excellence and playing myself Right. Um, and then I had an injury in 2009 where I broke my leg which gave me a bit more time to think about what I wanted to do uh, and so I contacted the FA and spoke to them and they said that I had to go on the UEFA preparatory course mm-hmm. um, just to check that I was one a suitable candidate to then do the full A, a license. Um, so I did that at the David Beckham Academy in 2009, um, which is just a two-day course where they, they assessed you and asked you to do various mm-hmm. things. Uh, and I was fortunate to then be accepted onto the, uh, the August 2009 UEFA Part 1 course mm-hmm. that was a 13-day residential course um, that was at Wokefield Park at that stage right? Um, and it was full days you were up at 8 in the morning uh, you had some classwork that was involved then you were on the field um, you had a lunch back on the field again then mm-hmm. back in the classroom to work until about 8 or 9 at, at night it was in depth, yeah. Pretty sounds it. So if I'm a I'm a 16, 17, 17 year old right now and I'm looking to get into football coaching at some point, what should I be swatting up on? What should I be honing my skills um, in? Uh, you know, this level I'm at right now. What would be the things to be doing to get myself ready for a successful coaching career? Uh, I think that the, the most important thing first, you've got to have a love for the sport. Um, when it's chucking it down with rain and it's cold outside, you still want to be out there. It's not quite the same as playing when you're when you're playing. You're warm because you're playing. When, sure. you're, when you're coaching, you are tending to be standing more on the side and, and giving that information. So I think you first got to have a love of the game. You, you can't do it otherwise. Mm. Uh, then I think that when you watch a game, I think traditionally, after doing my badges, I don't enjoy watching matches like I used to before. I used to watch the matches before as a fan, you know, mm. watching. Now I tend to watch more more with a looking at what the formation is doing, what other players are doing. Um, Sky sometimes allow you to be able to change the <coughs> viewing angle and when I'm watching it I always change the viewing angle so I can see the whole game instead of the player on the ball right. and then I'll watch the player's movement and different things so yeah it's, it's affected, affected me for that way so I suppose for, for a young uh, 
person wanting to be a coach, then I would try and start looking at not where the ball is, what other players and other people are doing in the game. Right. Mm -hmm. okay. Um, an example of that is uh, Harry Kane recently has been criticised for not getting the goals for England but if you actually watch his movement his movement is creating space for other players to go in behind him right. mm -hmm. which is what he, I think he was taught at Tottenham a little bit to do mm -hmm. so he's actually contributing outside of the goals yep. that people don't mm -hmm. quite see right you know mm -hmm. interesting because I'm definitely one of the the filthy casuals that just oh, he's, yeah, what's yeah. he doing you know absolutely um and so you know i've got my own very basic enjoyment it seems like you've got like a chess grandmaster's level of enjoyment it's, yeah, of yeah it's more chess related i mean, I mean how does it kind of uh, how, how does it mesh with other games and other kind of you know because it is a game at the end of the day it's about strategy um you know is it unique in, in the kind of the rules and the observations that you make or, or could you compare it to other games if I'm good at chess for instance is that going to stand me in good stead as a football coach well interestingly uh, Sir Clive Woodward that won the, the Rugby World Cup he came in uh, was on the first part of the UEFA A licence for football he wanted to get a different perspective before he went with the rugby team right. on, and different movements um, I think it's if you're comparing a, a sport, it's closely related to basketball it's okay. very close yeah. um, in fact at Barcelona they have a basketball team that enters in the basketball league and the likes of Messi and Iniesta and that, they all played basketball at younger level because um, the movement of the players is quite similar. But at basketball level, you've got your head up. Right. So you mm. can see what's happening. Whereas at football, your head tends to be down sometimes mm. and you can't always see what's happening. But if you've got these pictures in your head from when you've been playing basketball, you know where the player's movement is. Mm. Right, okay. So somebody could argue that maybe some of the premiership clubs might think about basketball um, and I do know that at some of the academy levels, they've started to throw in handball games on the field okay. to, to allow that to happen with younger players. Because yeah, handball's massive in Europe, yeah, but that's right. not so much in no. the UK. Yeah. Um, and then if you look at the ones where we do have our heads up, like for rugby, for example, but you're constantly looking to pass it behind you. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's very rare that you're making those forward, those forward um, you know, passes or kicks or anything like that. Well, mm. well, interestingly, if you think of the uh, Barcelona, the tiki-taka football, they call it, and they, they tend to play in triangles is what mm. their system is. There's three players. They work in a triangle, and then they'll be able to rotate the ball and the movement from that. That actually came from basketball, oh, and it's right. a Chicago Bulls winning team mm -hmm. with uh, Michael Jordan. The, the coach there started that, that system of this triangle play because mm. right. um, they were finding that Michael Jordan was being marked all the time double mm. marked so they worked out a triangle play be able to three three other players and then they would move and get him the ball mm. and Barcelona obviously had seen that and worked on that with yeah. the younger players well, that's amazing it's fascinating yeah, you know, it's thinking about football in a different way well, that's already it. I mean I, one of the things that I would, was quite interesting asking you know we hear a lot about the data now with football and, and is that factored into the U, the UEFA badges yes at their at the licence definitely mm. um, the first part we, we spoke a little bit about they get a lot of information to do with the World Cup and different things. Mm. I think at that stage in, in 2012 when I took it, um, they were looking at the 2010 World Cup mm. and they did simple things like 68% uh, of goals had come from set pieces, mm -hmm. um, how important that is at the game and particularly at the higher level of the game. Mm -hmm. If you haven't got a, the... Normally it's down to a mistake or, or a moment of genius that mm -hmm. causes a goal or a set piece. Right. Mm. So um, it's where teams are starting to look more at set pieces and, and if they've got a player that can deliver a ball a certain way in movement, it's it's far more, now it's becoming more tactical in that sense. Mm. Right. Um, Do you think that the, the, the 
the like the availability now of data is changing the world because I'm again a casual fan um but you know when you see what Liverpool did with the high press and it's kind of taken it it was all kind of tick tack football and then we've got a lot of high pressing football is that based do you think largely around like data sets where they've seen stuff working it is it is data based um in that sense i know that um for instance, for this this Euros, they've been looking at data of penalty taking. England are looking at that mm -hmm. particularly. They've got two guys that are doing it at the FA, and they've been analysing different teams, uh, different setups in order to help England. Hopefully, if they mm -hmm. play against Germany and have to take penalties yeah. again, uh, they they said they didn't have that data when back twenty five years ago. So that's right. a, that's another aspect. But also, I think that um, well, on the, on the second part, we had to take a team. Um, we had to have an imaginary team at the time I'd been given Chelsea. We were playing uh, a team on a on a Thursday night. We were playing Tottenham. Mm -hmm. uh, then we had a game on a Sunday, and then we had a Champions League game. Yeah. Uh, I think it was Bayern Munich at the time. We had to work out the players that were available, the mm -hmm. system we were going to play. Uh, they gave us information about the fitness after they played on Tuesday night, who would be injured. Yeah. And there's more behind it. There's more sports science behind it yeah. than there ever was before. Yeah. Um, the players are more finely tuned athletes yes. rather than just talented footballers Paul, they're not Paul Merson and Paul Gascoigne anymore <coughs> they're, no know. and if you think about <laughs> it if you look you look at Ronaldo uh, he's he's more of a, a, an athlete oh, as yeah. well as a footballer now yeah. and you know from that perspective I think the game's they've used the technology to help with that part mm. of the game it's fascinating coming from the English and maths department having just run a transition day with new students and assuming students will be listening to mm. this um you know, when we speak to, to sports students and we try to convince them of the importance of getting good math skills, yeah. everything you said there, it's all maths. There's know, jobs so. related to that. Uh, one of the um, guys I knew, he now actually works at Real Madrid doing a lot of their data right. and a lot of analysis that goes with that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maths just feeds in, in, in hugely. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah. And Definitely. what about your own, your own personal tastes yourself when it comes to, to following football and supporting teams? Uh, I'm guilty of being a Man United fan. Right. Should we um, stop? No. <laughs> we could, I mean, we could. I mean, old enough to remember when they weren't good. Well, they, yeah. And then they were, <laughs> and then they weren't. So, yeah. That's, well, I suppose that's that bringing the island context as well. We've all got to have a reason as to why we support the teams that yeah, we, you know, that's true. my friends, granddad's dogs. Yeah. Whoever was went to Old Trafford once, and <laughs> I'm an Aston Villa fan. I've got no leg to stand on with uh, with any comments. Around. I've actually been to Aston Villa. I took the um, primary team. We made the national finals one wow. year. Um, we've, we've made it four times mm -hmm. uh, the national finals, and one time was at Aston Villa, yeah. um, and we we were at their training facility, and the the, the players came and spoke oh, to the body more heath. Yeah, yeah. Was, oh wow, yeah. that's amazing. That's you know. So actually, you know, I've been to Villa Park and don't remember a lot of it but yeah it was you know that that would be amazing so actually getting to take players go and look at those facilities because you see now a lot of the the, the big clubs are the, the investment in the community and the um you know uh, with the investment in the community and and the training facilities we're now seeing players like phil foden jack grealish you know i think jack grealish was picked up by villa at age six yeah they, um, the academy system has changed a lot uh, yeah. over the last 15 years mm -hmm. I, th I think England spotted that they weren't developing in the same way that some of their continental counterparts yeah. were um, Germany for instance in 2000 after they had an awful World Cup they set up academies that were academies outside of the professional game mm -hmm. they were run by the German FA um, it meant that if they didn't make the standard at, at, at professional level say Bayern Munich 
they didn't just fall out the game. Yeah. They went to these academies that were partly funded by the professional club, mm -hmm. had top coaches, and they were saying that recently in the Bundesliga, for example, 70% um, of the, the, the lads that dropped out are mm -hmm. now in the Bundesliga still playing, so they wow. came back in. Because players develop at different stages, yes. um, it, it, like humans do, really. And, and you know, at one stage, at 15, they might not have a growth spurt, and some yeah. of the counterparts have, and the strength changes, or they yeah. just develop in the game. So they saw that, and I, I think uh, the English game has now adapted with that, too. Yeah. Um, I've been fortunate to have gone to a number of academies with, with the island side and you know uh, Tottenham Hotspur's facility is new state of the art yeah. it was uh, it was brilliant but none of them compared to St George's Park really yeah St George's Park was that purpose built facility um, yeah. and it's uh, it's got state of the art everything that's there including uh, their indoor facility is on this 4G surface which is where we were for the for the second part and it's um, a combination of grass and artificial surface all indoors. So it's a, and then outside, they've got uh, 13 outside f pitches, which mm. are really high standard. But the one right outside is an exact replica of Wembley that only the England team are allowed to oh, use wow. and train, including to the actual width of the lines. So they, wow. it's identical to Wembley, so they can get a feel for it. Yeah, That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that is the, you know, the nuances that, that go into it. Because, I mean, they, there was always, you know, when we younger Arsenal played at Highbury and it was a very narrow pitch yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you know but then taking that to that next level you've got an exact replica that you train on there will be you know like say I'm fascinated by the data and stuff that, that goes into football um, and and there's yeah. more psychology involved in the game now than ever yeah. before um, right. there's there's quite a lot of psychological factors that play um when you play away games now, they, they, they make sure the away changing room isn't as appealing as the mm. home one. They'll have it painted in dark colours at some of the clubs. The, the One of the clubs, I won't mention names, but they've got a bench that is deliberate. The hooks are deliberately too high for players to right. quite reach the hook. Right. So it means they have to step on the bench to be able to then put it on the hook. It's just little yeah. mind games that they play, or they'll make sure that the actual away changing room is colder and not mm -hmm. heated like the, the home one, just to play into that factor a little bit of the psyche yeah so, yeah because uh, well i never knew it went to that i, I knew in other sports as well mm. you know there's in the england cricket team if there was an australian fast bowler that was coming over that was you know, express they'd maybe get the guy doing the measurement on the speed of the bowling to notch it down a few mm. so yeah. that although he felt really good bowling it when he looked at the screen it was it wasn't yeah. a couple of miles and then when it was england's turn they were they would ramp it up a couple of mile an hour yeah. as well to oh. like put the batsman on think you know Crumsey's uh, he's bowling express so um, if you can get the same things any sort of edge yeah. in football and, and then the players now are obviously wearing all the um, you might have seen it on the back of their shirts mm. they've got the monitoring devices yeah. which yeah. measures their movement how many sprints they've done where they've been located so now the coaches will will then look at that data because there's a whole mm. group of coaches that look at the data and uh, they can assess a player's movement and their run and, and and where they could have improved based on that it's almost like a, a fifa game yeah. in that sense well, so it's becoming come on quite a bit from andy gray do you remember that when he's drawing yeah. the screen yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, move, yeah he moved the little things around yeah. the table yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but it is amazing when you look at those those different things and uh, and i say that that kind of Ex extra analysis, those extra layers that come through all this. I mean, I've got, I've got a question for you because obviously you've done 
lots of these different um, coaching badges and you've got to you know kind of is the UEFA A the, the pinnacle so the UEFA A is the pinnacle for actual coaching on, yeah. the, on the field you've got the UEFA pro license the pro license is designed for the managerial side it's to mm -hmm. deal with the media it's mm -hmm. to deal with agents and mm -hmm. all of that that type of uh, information mm -hmm. but the UEFA A is is the highest one yeah. um, as I said, there isn't many that, that got it. And yeah. my final assessment that I had to do at St George's Park, um, I even had the England were training on the pitch alongside the one when I was assessing. So wow. it was Roy Hodgson's team at the time with Gary Neville as assistant coach. So that was that was pressure when yeah, I felt yeah, it. Sure. And, and when I was coached, they, they, they bring the, the players for you. So I coached the uh, Hull under-21s. So wow. they turned up, I met them for the first time, and then I, I put on the two delivery sessions that they assessed me on for the wow. final one. That is high pressure yeah okay, so it's it's a difficult qualification to get you've got a lot of steps to go to to get there um, if you could kind of go back to when you were first kind of starting out on that journey getting into coaching what would be the bit of advice that you would give yourself um, I think that the biggest thing that I think people don't realize is there's more paperwork based yeah than you realize it's um, you know, students that we've got are doing level three courses yeah. and you do have, I've got a whole folder of work that I have to do. I have to work with a team over a period of a yeah. year. I have to work on different coaching sessions. Um, from a teaching perspective, yeah. you have a, a coaching plan that you have to set yeah. out before uh, and you have to hit the targets of the plan that you want to do. So yeah. you draw your plan, um, you have to draw picture, mental mm -hmm. pictures of what they're doing and yeah. then you have to then display that that improvement's happened in the game. Um, and, and at the A level there's quite a bit of technical yeah. stuff that goes in at the lower levels you, you're kind of doing formations and yeah. movements and that you're not working quite on the technical aspect of yeah. receiving the ball a certain way for players in a p certain position or mm -hmm. working on different players traits yeah. in that sense amazing I mean it's just yeah it's it's mind-boggling how in-depth it is and, and I'm just yeah being absolutely reminded about how little I should be shouting at the players <laughs> on the TV <laughs> Um, well, that's great. I mean, thanks very much, Rob. It's You're been welcome. great. I've, I've learned a heck of yeah. a lot from that. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Rob. You're welcome. Cheers. Thank you.